I'm Kelly Rose Lamb, and this is Bold. This show is for women who believe there is more than the script we've been handed. I interview women and hear their stories to uncover the common thread of boldness running through their lives. Lindsay and Carmel are the two women behind Single and Mighty. We did a podcast collaboration. They have recently started a podcast too, and it was so fun to interview one another. We discussed why we started our podcasts. We got to the story behind the story. We discussed what it feels like to not only tell your story, but to own it. Here is a little bit more about them. The Single and Mighty podcast is for single parents leading mighty lives. Carmel is a life coach and mountain biking coach and single parent who has figured things out. Lindsay is a brand and marketing strategist and a solo parent of three after leaving domestic violence. Lindsay and Carmel share in a tender and honest way. They openly discuss their journey to being single parents and what it took to get where they are today. I'm glad you're here. Lindsay and Carmel, I am so excited to talk to you both today. Yeah, yeah we're excited too. Thanks for being here. I would love to hear about your podcast and what inspired it. Ooh, okay. Uh, our podcast really is, it was called Single and Mighty. And it's a podcast for single parents leading mighty lives. And the reason that we launched it is because we both felt like this the image that's out there, the stereotype of single parents is really negative. It's not uplifting. It's not inspiring, you know, except for the odd like underdog movie that comes out where, and it's usually a single mom and she grapples her way through adversity and comes out on top kind of maybe sometimes. Um, And we just thought there are, there are so, there's so much variety in the stories out there. And there are single parents out there who are kicking it. They are doing Mm -hmm. awesome. And we really wanted to provide that inspirational story or stories that don't seem to be very prevalent at the moment. Is there anything you wanted to add, Lindsay? No, I love that. I think that you have summed it up in a really nice package there. I guess the only other thing I would add is I had been, I've been a single parent for 10 years now, which is crazy to think. And over the years, I've kind of wondered, like, where are all the single parents? There is like a 50% divorce rate. Um, And when I talk to people, I'm like, wow, you're a single parent too. Yet nobody really owns it and stands up and says, hey. And over the years, I've met some people who, like you said, are killing it. They're either doing so well in business or their parenting is just so beautiful what they're doing or a mixture of the two that... It was just kind of like, why don't we tell some of these stories and show people it's not such a bad thing? Do you mind if I add one more thing? Of course. Yeah. One more thing that's really important to me personally is I also know from experience that a lot of people are in bad relationships where it's toxic and they are so scared to leave those relationships because they probably don't know anything about what it could be like on the other side. Mm-hmm. And so for me, there's a huge part of that where I just want to say, hey, it's so doable. You will be okay. Uh, other people are doing it too. You don't have to stay stuck if you're in a miserable relationship. So that's really important too. Yeah. Such good insight. Would you both talk about your experience of becoming a single parent? Is that something you would be willing to share? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I can do the Coles notes of mine. 
Uh, so I was married for, I think, five years in a relationship for, in that relationship for 11. And uh, after we had my son, our son is still ours, uh, the rela our relationship was breaking down before that happened, before I even got pregnant. So we just reached a point where I was like, this is not salvageable. I hmm. want it to be. We went to counseling. We tried. But the reality was I have two choices here. I can suck it up and stay in this relationship that is not functional. And that's the model that I will show my child of what married life looks like. Or I can say, screw it. I'm, I'm a strong, independent woman and I can figure this out. And being a single parent is not the worst thing that could happen to me. And I've said since then, it was actually the best thing that could have happened to me because of all the changes that came about as a result of that decision. So like, like Lindsay, 10 years later, and just feeling super happy about that choice. <laughs> yeah. Lindsay, what about you? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for asking. It's funny how our timelines match up in so many ways, Carmel, so but we crazy. can talk about that later. It is a really funny thing. Yeah. So I have hope. I have hope that uh, I will learn to do some of the crazy bold stuff that you're doing these days. I've got time. Yeah, mine is 10 years. And I was actually in a situation of domestic violence. There was a mixture of physical violence, emotional violence, and just like that, that weird psychological violence, the gaslighting and all of that going on. So that sort of thing makes it really hard to navigate what's real and what's not real. And you kind of lose track of the vision that you had for your life if you ever did. So I started that relationship when I was in my early 20s and I was in it for 13 years, had two kids, actually had three kids by the end of it. Um, when I got pregnant with my third, I just I cried because I knew that this would just keep going on forever unless something changed. And so it took a while, but through a series of little hints here and there from friends and from my sister, I left that relationship. But I think I would have left it a lot sooner and with a lot more strength if I had any examples of single parents who were happy uh, because I grew up with the thinking that you have to stay in a relationship, you have to stay married, you have to stay with the person that you have the family with, you have to do everything it takes to keep your family together. And so the cost to me was I really lost a lot of years in my 20s and in my 30s even. Uh, and my kids too. It wasn't really great for them. It, it's really hard on the kids. So we've done a lot of work since then. Uh, and we have a totally different life now. I don't even recognize the person that was in that relationship, which is really amazing. But it was hard and it continues to be hard. So the legacy of those hard years, uh, yeah, it just made, it made me really want to show other people that there's another choice. Thank you for sharing your stories. I, they're tender and it's incredible to hear them and the decisions you made in them. I have people in my life where people have to make a very strong decision and feel so isolated in it. Yeah. How do you move from that feeling of isolated? What was your process from going from like, what do I do? What is the future going to hold and isolated in that decision to deciding to be a single parent and then talking about it? Can you talk about that, that pathway? Um, it's not a smooth path. It's really a progression. It's not one day you wake up and go, okay, 
this isn't working. All right, off to single parent land. It, it took a while to even get through all of the divorce paperwork. Um, there was a lot of emotional struggle that I personally felt. It was a really dark time for me. Uh, and I did feel very isolated. Like most of my friends were either married and didn't have kids or they were single, had never been married or their kids were older. I think I had one friend who was a single parent. I didn't really have a whole lot of models for how to do it. And also in my, even in my family, like very few people have ever gotten divorced. So I kind of had to make it up as I went. And even then, like there weren't, podcasts weren't as big as they are now. Like the volume of information that we have now uh, is just exponential compared to what it was then. It's not even that long ago. I know. Wild. I don't know, Lindsay, what was your process like? Mine just felt so gradual. Maybe yours was even more gradual. Yeah, I think mine was gradual. I think we've talked about before the frog in boiling water analogy with a lot of abusive relationships you don't even notice because at first the pattern tends to be that it's a very romantic relationship and I was completely love bombed. And so that really sets you up to feel like oh, you've got this amazing relationship. And then it, it took a while, but it started to fall apart. And I thought it was all my fault. And so actually, when one of the big things was I went looking for marriage counseling because I wanted to know how to make our relationship work. Uh, and ironically, I saw a Facebook post at one point saying that you could get referrals for marriage counseling through the local domestic violence shelter. And so I called them. It's a really funny thing. And, and I explained my story to the counselor and she said, you know what? I've got a cancellation. Come in now. Just come. We need to talk. And so the universe looking up for me a little bit. And I also say there were hints. Um, my sister, she saw some of the things that were going on because I did isolate myself uh, or I was isolated through that relationship. So I didn't let anyone know how much struggle we were going through. But Mesa saw it. And so she said once, she said, it doesn't have to be so hard. And just really supportive, sweet little comments over the years were really helpful. And my kids, like really seeing through my kids' eyes that th this thing kept happening. Like we'd have some happy times and then we'd have a total out outrage, outbreak um, that was horrible. And it would set us all back. And my kids pointing out like this keeps happening. Uh, so at some point, everything gelled. And when I went and talked to the, the local domestic violence shelter counselor, it was like in blaring red lights. And it took me about two weeks from then to just, we left and we went and stayed in a shelter for several weeks while I got my stuff together and started over. So, yeah. So you're talking about an, such an important topic. How did you two meet? That's a good story. Yeah, it's one of those serendipity things. Um, there was an app called Clubhouse a while back that was a really big deal and everyone was getting on it and I'm a marketer. So I wanted to figure this app out and I started listening and there was this thing called the Lullaby Club. So Clubhouse was an audio social engagement app and the Lullaby Club was a place you could go and listen to people sing lullabies. Wow. It was like all the rage for about a month. And so it, it was longer than that. And Clubhouse still exists. Yeah, it's still operating. It does. Right. 
fair. I do tell people Clubhouse sometimes and they're like, what? So it, it is. Was a, it was a cool I idea. Mean, still yeah. there, but it was very popular. Yeah. It was so popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I hopped in a few times to Lullaby Room and there were usually like professional musicians. It was really impressive. And one day I hop in and there's this beautiful voice singing a lullaby, but a little bit shaky. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. I wonder why. Like, I wonder who this is. And I wonder a little bit shaky. Like, oh, that's not a professional musician, but so melodic. And I was like, wow, beautiful voice. And so I looked the person up and it was Carmel. And the only way to find out more was to check their Instagram out. And I found out she was a single parent, which was really exciting because no one owns that. And I reached out on Instagram and it turns out that in this whole wide world of places that she could be, she lives on Vancouver Island, which is like a two hour ferry from here. Like we live in the same zone and we went to the same university and we went to the the same same program. Yeah, we both did the journalism program. It was just like click. So I said, we we hopped on a call and Carmel said, I really want to tell single moms, single parent stories. She was thinking a book and I was like, I really want to tell single parent stories. And then we decided like, let's do a podcast. And yeah, it's been a great journey ever since. A fabulous way of meeting. And Carmel, will you sing us that lullaby now, please? Oh my God. Oh, I don't even remember what, I don't even remember what song it was. Lindsay. Oh, sorry. No, no you don't. But Carmel no, does. She's a performer and she's been singing on stages. So oh, wow. that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Will you tell us more about both of your lives? You live these phenomenal lives. I just learned you're a performer, Carmel, but can you tell me more about the things you do as well as this podcast? Yeah, for sure. My passion is mountain biking. And so I'm a mountain bike coach as well as a life coach. And I really stepped into that. I've been riding for a long time, 27 years, which is a a little bit unusual. Uh, There were not a lot of women in mountain biking at that time when I started. And I decided actually earlier this year, I feel like I'm stepping into the most powerful part of my life because... Oh my goodness, I love that. <laughs> Me too. Such I a actually, great sentence. Oh God. I had a moment where I was at a mountain biking event a few weeks ago and I, I was just really reveling in the joy of the event and the riding that we did and the people that I'd met. And I was like, holy shit, I think I'm living my best life. Like people talk I about that, right? It. Go live your best life. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh my God, I think I'm doing it. (laughs) Amazing. Uh, But that has been a really pivotal decision for me this year. I've ridden, you know, I go out for a mountain bike ride almost every weekday, right around lunchtime, because it's what I love to do. It's my my de-stressor. It's my fitness. It's my mental health. And it's also my work. So I feel totally justified. (laughs) I'm like, I get out there and I'm like, yay, I'm working. I'm practicing that my demo. Fantastic. <laughs> it's so good. Um, yeah. So so that's been really exciting. And it really does make me feel like for the first time in my life, I'm really living into my own vision, following my own passion, and not chasing someone else's ideal. And it's been a buildup to get to this point, right? Um, but yeah, not living someone else's ideal of what life should be. And I feel like it's a bit of a constant battle. Mm-hmm. Right. Because there's so much data coming at us. So many people telling us you can have this and you can have that. And, that. and it's how do you decide what it is that you really want and then give yourself permission to do that. And not be it. afraid of the potential, you know, consequences of that decision, because mm-hmm. you know, we're always worried about money and keeping a roof over our heads and 
giving attention to all the people that need us, especially as women. And so, yeah, I just gave myself permission this year. I was like, I'm living into this. I don't know how it's all going to wash out, but I am going to trust that I will figure it out. Wow, that's incredible. And wonderful to hear that you feel like you're coming into that era. It's so inspiring. Yeah, it only took me 45 years. It, that is so good. Honestly, that's so good for my listeners to hear because I think we don't get told that story. It's like more instantaneous and it's not this back and forth evolution. And it's like, it just happens overnight. And that's just not true. It's so the more people who tell us that's not true, yeah, <laughs> the better. Lindsay, what about yourself? Yeah. Carmel, that's so exciting. See, when I grow up, I wouldn't be like you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's true. It's really amazing to see that you've always had that in you in the years that I've known you now, because it's been a while. But just to see the shift in the past year has just been so clear. And, and yeah, she, we were talking just a couple of weeks ago on the, I think on the phone and she's like, you absolutely said those things. Some people say, live your best life. She's like, totally stoked. This is happening right now. And it's been intentional choices. So that's so exciting. So other than being Carmel's sidekick, uh, which hardly, is totally awesome. Hardly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting because I have three kids and two of them have just started university this year. And, you know, they're not too far away, but they've s stopped living at home for the most part. <laughs> I'm being a little careful here because there's some back and forth. Uh, and that just, that has shifted things so much in our household. So we went from a busy, busy household where there was scheduling and a focus on everything that had to be done. And just like every day felt a bit like <laughs> working my way through a really tough challenge at the same time, super fun. And they have all this big energy and I adore them. And now they're off in the world. Right. And it's just me looking across the table at my 12 year old, and we're like, okay, what are we going to do with this? There's a whole new chapter. So there's some sadness in letting go of what we used to have. It's actually been a real process this year. And then there's some opening up. So I've started dating again, which has happened on and off over the years, but I'm taking it more seriously now. I'm like, you know what? If anything is going to happen in like the vision is I want to have a partner and I want to have somebody who is a great equal and someone who can stand strong beside me. And that's different than what I wanted a few years ago, too. So I'm really glad I actually had the time to evolve to that. Uh, so I feel strong in that dating potential and kind of navigating what I want for myself. Like I want to have the fitness in my life. And so for the past year, I've been running and very consistent about it. And what do I want my entire life to be? So I've always been really happy on the career and partly because I needed to earn enough money to raise the kids. And I had zero support and we started with zero. Uh, so that's been a hard focus for a long time. And now it's okay. I want to have that full circle, you know, that circle that coaches use like your whole life. And I want to build all those other parts out. And that's what I've been working on this year. Wow. One of my questions for you both is, and part of what my goal is in my own podcast is helping women own their stories and really own who they are. What would you say to people who are afraid to own their, their being, own the reality that they're single parents? What would you say to them that need to say, yeah, I'm owning this identity and I'm okay with that? 
Hmm. Can I go? Yeah. That's such a good question. You look like you want to answer it. So I, like, yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. One place I notice it as an entrepreneur is on LinkedIn, for example. Uh, very rarely you run into someone who has that in their profile or something. But when they do have that in their profile, it's like a beacon that calls in other single parents who can identify with that. It's a really strong choice to make because I feel like it's saying no to the stereotype of, oh, a single mom is not going to be able to show up for a full work schedule or, oh, a single mom is working three jobs or scattered or what depressed, all these things. It's saying no and it's making it stronger. And I feel like just saying it is advocating. So a few years ago, there's no way I would have said that publicly in a business way about myself felt like it was something very private. And now I feel like it's a change we need to make in the world. And the people who are single parents are the ones who are going to be making that change. And it'll make a better future for people coming after us who, I don't want anyone to be like me looking around and just terrified to leave a relationship. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. What about you, Carmel? Yeah, I would, off the back of that, yeah, there is so much power in sharing our stories. It creates connection when -hmm. someone can hear your story and go, oh, I'm not alone. And then on top of that, from a personal level, sharing that every time you share your story, every time you communicate it, I feel like there's some strength that builds in each of us. The more I tell my story, the more I feel like, yeah, I've come through not the worst that anybody's ever experienced, but when you're in it, it feels awful. Like there, I I mean it when I say there were some really dark nights for me when I was going through my divorce and wondering, like my life just exploded. Yeah. And and being able to recognize, share my story, share that part of it, and then share the part where I'm like, oh my God, I'm living my best life. That it's that proof that I can come through hard things and reach the other side. And so from this moment forward, let's not pretend that I'm never going to face any challenges from here on out, but I can look back on my past and go, I've done this before. I can do it again. Totally. So it feels very powerful. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think there's something about strength too, like that powerful You can feel like you're being really strong when you're holding everything together and not sharing the burden with anyone, not telling anyone else what you're going through. But through the podcast and through our experiences, I think what we've found is real strength is when you say, hey, I am experiencing this and I do want help or I I am ready to help you. Uh, That creates a, a much stronger connection for everyone. So good. From one podcaster to to both of you, thank you so much for the work you put into Single and Mighty. It's a story that needs to be told and you guys are really paving the way on that. So thank you. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you. Of course. And we can definitely say the same about you. Uh, I love what you're doing with the Bold podcast. And, And like ours, yours is fairly new, but it's so clear what you're standing for. Thank you. That means a lot to me. I'm going for clarity. So I'm glad that's coming across. Clarity for the win. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious, what what made you want to start your podcast? 
I had co-hosted a podcast last year and loved the process of it. I really love talking to guests. Just I thought it's such a fun platform to be able to talk to people and learn about people. It was an interesting topic to me, the overarching podcast, but deep down, I was like, oh, I know I want to focus on women and women's stories primarily. Um, and so I went out on my own and I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to launch my own and I'm going to do something that is about not me, but like me behind the brand. And it's the first time that I had ever done that. Usually I'm playing a more support role, bringing people's visions to life. It was a big, actually bold step for me. I'm going to talk about something that really interests me and I'm going to own the whole process. And then the stories of women are really important to me. I think we have very singular uh, narratives around the life of a woman. And so I wanted to offer people more versions of stories. So that, that's the main reason why I wanted to start the podcast. Yeah. Oh, that's so juicy. I love that. Yeah. What are some of the, what are some of the stories that you've told so far that really stand out to you? Each person's story is so unique. And actually part of the reason I went with the name Bold is I wanted to hear from people in so many different, if you will, like sectors of life. Because my interests are so broad, um, so I didn't want to just like women in business or women who write. So it's been so fun. I've had writers and political analysts and people in policy. I talked to a woman from South Africa who is sober and is really loud about her journey of sobriety. So yeah, each one for me has been really amazing in its own way. But one of the most inspiring reoccurring themes is the, the story of process that all of them have basically said it's been a massive process getting to where I am today. I'm either a process of healing or a process of being more who they know they are or a process of leaving unhealthy relationship. Um, it's more of that process theme that I don't think I anticipated so, so much, but every conversation I'm just like, wow, this is so beautiful that people are willing to admit the process they're in and going through. Yeah. Cause we live in an Insta success image kind of world. And so, yeah, that, that focus on the process is so beautiful because none of us gets where we are overnight, good or bad. Yeah, and none of us, and none of us are talking about it, right? None of us call up our friends and you're like, oh man, like I'm feeling exhausted again and I'm not making any progress and I have all these self doubts. It's like, we just promote the success and the, I got a master's and I got a new job and I got a raise. And you're like only ever talking about, I won this competition and I swam across the Pacific Ocean. You're like, oh, great. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that can make you feel like you're really not living up to what other people are doing unless you see behind the curtain a little bit. Absolutely. That's really amazing for you to set that example for a woman out there and, and just show like, this all takes a heck of a lot of work. And if you're feeling like a bit of a, process yourself then that's cool that's how it is totally yeah so was there like a moment that inspired you to do this podcast all by yourself or like an origin story to it yes I would say the real origin story and the one I actually don't tell that much is I went through an ordination process and actually wasn't ordained based on being a woman and so it was this like very heightened experience of discrimination um, that completely changed my course and my path. And I basically, I basically decided, and I had always been passionate about women's rights and how we show up in the world and have always worked in male dominated spaces. So I wasn't surprised by any of that, but surprised by the like emotional response to being discriminated because of my gender. And I basically wanted to just like help women be more free. 
um, based on my own experience of, I would say oppression, but it's actually like, how can we be more free? And it's in the sharing of stories and in the gathering of women and the truth we tell when we're together that you actually get more free. So I was like, this is what I'm going to do with my life. I'm not going to limit myself to spaces where women aren't wanted in 2023. And I'm actually going to do the exact opposite and help us be more free. So that's the origin story. I am a little quiet about it because it was like highly political and just like a really dark era of my life. And I can say like throughout the course of my life, there's been all these little moments, but that would be the biggest one where it like really got me going for wanting to help people be free. I love that. Can you tell us a little bit about your process for getting here? Yeah. Uh, long, slow, tiring. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that because I just think there are so many factors that keep us distracted, that keep us doubting ourselves, that keep us focusing on like a better job with better pay. Uh, and for me, it's been a very meandering path that I've gone like, maybe this career, maybe that one, you know, now I'm doing this and I love it. And it's led to another thing. But Basically, I think it's been this process of acknowledging the common thread that's run through it all and then having this like incremental courage to keep pursuing it. So I'm super confident in the the job I have and the like kind of career life I have. But the passion to to free women is this it's an evolution. It's I don't you know, I don't technically coach, but I have a whole bunch of people that I do and six months into a podcast. So it's been this like I would say a fight, quite honestly, of like becoming more me and becoming more okay with who I am and what I'm doing. But it's lonely and exhausting at the end of the day. That's so good. That's so good. And I love that you referred to the meandering part of the journey because I think there's so many of us out there, and I'm including myself 100% in this, that we feel like we've been like doing this wobbly path that's looped back on itself several times. Definitely. And we still don't feel like we're necessarily on a straight path. And do we really need to be just because there's this story that we're given when we start out in life of, okay, so this is the process. You grow up, you graduate high school, you go to a university or college or whatever it is. Right. And then you find your, the love of your life and then you get married and then you have, and that is still as much as the world has changed. That's still the prevalent timeline that we're given. Absolutely. Right. And so if you don't do it in that order, or if you leave pieces out, or if your career ends up changing 53 different times, you don't find the one career that you you feel like, oh, I'm just, I'm watching all these people succeeding around me and I'm stuck. But And I would say we're very fixated on that like straight path. But for me, I'm, I would actually say it's like more line drawing and it feels very chaotic when you're going through it. You're like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. But when you step back, you're actually like, oh, that that is a beautiful picture. And actually like this is a beautiful life. But I think it takes a long time to get there. Like uh-huh. for me, the better part of a decade to recognize that this meandering path is this like beautiful line drawing versus this like very linear line that I failed at. I haven't checked any of the boxes. <laughs> so. Every time my birthday rolls around, I, again, I'm reminded that I'm failing, but I have to like, remind myself that I'm, I've chosen a different path and it's beautiful to me. Yeah. 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 I think that that's true. Every time your birthday rolls around. I love what you said about incremental courage too, because it really is those little choices that we make pretty regularly, maybe every day. Like right now we could be working and moving forward our projects and we are taking a moment to have this conversation, not knowing 
whether it's going to be worth it or not. But we're fully here for each other. And this takes courage here. You're so right. I think we also get fed a a lie that courage is these big bursts. And I think for some people, it really is. Hollywood is based on these massive bursts of courage where people do these crazy things. But for for me, it is these like little decisions on, on the daily of little amounts of courage that I think over time create a very courageous story. I've stopped looking for those like big bursts. They don't come, in my opinion. So it's a little tiny incremental courage. I think they're incremental. Yeah. Yeah. Um, One of the things that you talk about is women taking up space. Where, I don't know if I want to say where did that idea come from, but like, I guess, why does that resonate with you? How do you feel about that as we move forward in the world? I still think women are taught to be pretty small. In a corporate context, I think we still get taught to be polite and gentle and responsive. And if you demonstrate kind of bigger qualities of aggression or boldness or being loud, it's, in my opinion, still negative. I think we've made some progress, but very little progress. And so I think there are two sides to that. One is one is just take up more space, be more you and be okay with the feedback you're going to get, which is, and I get a lot of friends asking me this, just got terrible feedback. I've been told I'm too much. And I'm like, perfect, perfect. (laughs) Because you're taking up space and you're making people uncomfortable. Take up more space, like claim back what is yours. And if you are feeling, if you are like a loud, strategic, ambitious woman, be that and be okay with the like pretty negative feedback. In my opinion, then there's another like emotional level of that. And that's the one that I'm currently working through, which is like, I am allowed to matter. Mm-hmm. And my preferences matter and who I am, like I can keep growing into who I am versus reducing myself to like get through life and navigate the ideal woman. So it's a double whammy in my opinion. And it's a really tough one. And I think most of us don't actually wake up to like how small we've been asked to become. Mm-hmm. But I think it's this evolution of actually take up more space, be louder, be more you. And I'm not like calling all women to go around me like, I'm so loud and aggressive. But if you have those personality traits, please don't hide them. Right. And actually, you're not bossy and you're not mean. You're actually these exact same traits are seen in men, but they get called positive things. Yeah. And I, I think all, there's a second part to that where as and I don't I have a son, I don't have a daughter. But for those of us who have daughters, uh, that we need to make sure that we're not making them small too because of patterns of being that we have, that we learned, right? It's so easy to perpetuate that. We have to be really conscious about not allowing that to happen. It's very true. And the patriarchy is, it's like in order to survive, you want your child to fit what's expected at school, what's expected in the job world, and just remembering that we could envision a different way of doing things and create a different an entirely different culture just with those little choices, that incremental courage that you talk about. I love that. I also think this is something I've been working on as well is the taking up space and not apologizing for yourself. Yeah. And so I can completely understand where you're coming from. What do you do to support yourself though when you're taking those risks every day? And it's it's not easy. It's like like Brene Brown talks about it being the arena. You're putting yourself right where people can criticize you and see you and you're being very vulnerable to do that. So how do you protect yourself or take care of yourself? This is also an area where I feel like I really need to grow. I think I haven't necessarily calculated for 
the, the like the internal reaction, which is exhaustion, which yeah. I do think that when you like really show up and you're like, this is who I am. And I'm going through like the mental battle of being okay with who I am. And then knowing how I'm coming across and reading the room and having to filter through so many externalities. I think for me, the reaction is actually tiredness. And then I just keep working really hard. And so I think I've gotten like more tired as I've tried to take up more space and not allowing that need for rest to really be present and then to really celebrate it. Because I think you can get a little bit on this treadmill where you're like, okay, even on the podcast, you're like, okay, I have a podcast and I have to promote it and I have to create content. And you're like doing this thing that's asking you to take up more space and then conversely tired. For me, I think it would come down to this like deep rest that Mm. I again don't think society really affirms. And I think it looks very different than Netflix, which is often the really easy way to rest. Yeah, like totally numbing. Totally yeah. numbing. Yeah. So I've re- realized in even the last few weeks, I'm like, oh, I need to be really careful because I can feel myself getting like tired to a degree that I don't think is okay. Yeah. And, and I would say that's like a tax of evol- evolution and the way to pay it off is rest, in my opinion. What does rest look like for you? I'm really working on that, but I would say being out in nature, I know it sounds really cheesy, but that's like such a massive one. So not cheesy. It's it's so necessary. Someone yeah. goes out in nature every single day for an hour and a half. <laughs> so totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think often activity and like skiing or cycling or walking along the beach, I think something actually in motion where your mind is able to rest is actually more important for me than when the body rests. Mm-hmm. And where like those sports where you're like completely consumed that you're not like mauling over all of the exchanges you've had or the lists that are unfinished. You're just like, I'm trying to get down this mountain so fast without crashing. So for me, <laughs> that's, that's all that matters. Yeah, yeah. That's the only thing in that in those like four minutes. That's the only thing. Yeah. I mean, so whenever I get done those activities, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm alive. That's awesome. Gosh. And isn't that a, the most amazing feeling? And I, I get the is. sense that's a little bit of what you're trying to um, emphasize for people, right? Is that I am alive. I'm here. I'm alive. Exactly. No, no settling. Yeah. Show up, live, live alive. Let's do this. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly it. I love it. I think it's, I think it's really important, Kelly. I think your podcast is really important and the stories you're telling and the fact that you're taking out space and growing into that vision of yourself and who you want to be. I think that's all really inspiring. Thank you for doing that. Oh, thank you so much, Lindsay. That means a lot. You guys, this has been so fun. I've loved getting to talk about my podcast and it's been such a privilege hearing about your podcast and both of your lives. So thank you so much. Thank you. This has been really great. Yeah, my mind is just bursting with ideas of how we can do more collabs. So stay tuned. This podcast was produced in part by Pam Cameron. Thank you to everyone who has supported me along the way. 